Welcome to Lead Time Chats, where you can listen in on unscripted conversations between engineering leaders and other influential folks in tech. I'm Jean, and I'll be your host. Lead Time Chats is brought to you by Range. Range helps hybrid teams check in asynchronously about what matters most. Know what's happening through status updates that pull from tools like GitHub and Jira without scheduling yet another meeting. Checking in with Range creates more focused time for heads down work, all while feeling a deeper sense of connection and belonging with your team. To learn more about Range, you can check it out at range.co. Thanks so much for joining me for Lead Time Chats. Hey, thanks for having me, Jean. So excited to be here. So today we're going to talk about a little bit about hybrid teams, but more specifically, how to work well on a hybrid team. And I think this topic has been covered pretty extensively recently with the kind of return to office, you know, that that pattern that's happening. But it's been kind of talked about with the approach of like, how do you run a successful hybrid team? But what I wanted to talk about today is like a lot of people, you know, we're kind of in the middle of what has been called the great resignation, where a lot of people are switching jobs, finding jobs that are, you know, maybe in the pandemic they've discovered or have have really clarified their own values or their own priorities in life. So a lot of people are switching jobs to find roles or teams or companies that are more aligned with their, their values or priorities. And so as people are, you know, starting their new jobs and onboarding, uh, a lot of those people are onboarding onto hybrid teams. And that could be like several people are working in office, several people are working remotely kind of full time. It could also mean like, you know, some teams are working three days a week in office and then this other team's working another three days a week in office and they just don't have a lot of overlap. So I guess maybe to start us off as a new hire coming into a hybrid team, like what do you think is most important in, in considering or in the onboarding? Yeah, I think that's that's really spot on. And, and this is actually, you know, pretty common questions as, you know, I'm hiring and, and interviewing candidates. They often ask, you know, maybe not the, directly that question, but then like, I mean, essentially what they're asking is like, am I going to be successful if I join mm-hmm. this particular organization? And I think if I put a, my, a, you know, the hat on as like a potential candidate at a company, some questions that I definitely want to, you know, get the clarity on is how, whether or not the company actually do remote or hybrid right, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think in the current situation with, with COVID, it's, the, the companies are not, the policies they have are not really set in stone. You know, one, one minute we think we're like in a pretty good place to go back to the office. And on a minute it's like, okay, maybe not so quick. Like I've heard a lot of in like bigger companies are delaying their go to office plan. And so like in my mind, as a potential candidate going into a company, it's super important to know that the company has a plan for both remote arrangement and an office arrangement. I, I don't actually know any company that has like a set policy that they know they're going to go for it is still somewhat in flux and so like in the remote places and actually when I take a step back what does it mean by getting things right what are the important pieces to get right it's very hard to think you know we have everything perfect right so in my mind there are like three key things that a company needs to get right both for remote employees and for those who are in office one 
is you need a space to build trust, uh, rapport, and to have fun. You know, so like the the in office is more obvious where you know you're you're in the kitchen together, maybe in a hallway you can have those chats. But you need to create that space for remote employees too. So like that's one a place to trust and, and have fun. And two, especially for like technical roles like engineering, there needs to be a clear process on uh, technical and or even non technical decision making. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a really important thing that that people you know often get really frustrated about if that's not clear you know do you have an inclusive process where regardless if someone is remote or in person they have equal opportunity and say in a process of decision making or getting to the final decision making and the third piece is to actually you know have a process that can surface problem frequently and early just because every team is going to be different different personalities different company regulations and policies and and different locations so they're going to have different challenges so i think that whether or not they have a process to service a problem frequently and early i think recently when i talked with different sort of remote slash hybrid situation they each have different challenges you know one could be that uh, they have time zone challenges where people are actually in different time zone and they don't quite know how to collaborate with each other. Uh, whereas some other ones might be saying we have remote employees that are relatively new and we don't know how to onboard them and we don't know how to do team events. So each team and like company is going to have their unique challenges. So having like process to address these problems early is, is going to be really important. Mm. So maybe even as a candidate asking about a recent challenge and what was the process through which it was surfaced and how was it addressed? Like that could give you some insight into does this team have, like, was it addressed like six months later or was it addressed like, you know, right around when, when it was surfaced and when people started to feel this problem? Yeah, I think that's actually a great question to, to ask like an employer for sure. Like what were the problems and what was the outcome? Right. Like what you would want to hear is like them actually having a thoughtful response to it instead of like, (laughs) you know, just wait, like magic. No problems. Yeah. It's been, yeah. Yeah. productivity has been fine. Like that, that would be probably some, some flag, (laughs) a red flag of not being willing to acknowledge any problems. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like not acknowledging problems. It means that potentially they haven't even thought about what could be the problems or somehow problems are happening and it's not, you know, getting escalated to people who can actually solve them. I think actually there was a candidate that I talked to where, you know, during some of the closing calls, like the, the, the candidate was like, yeah, how do you, how do you all deal with the fact that some of us are going to be remote and some people are going to be in office? How do you do the meetings? Like, how do you like do the, the the technical decision making, right? So then, you know, one layer deeper, it's like, am I going to be because this person is likely going to be remote, and and one layer deeper is like, oh, am I going to be cut out of like you know yeah. crucial discussions and and learning and perhaps you know cut out of decision making? And so with that particular candidate, I, I shared with him oh, you know, here is how we do technical decision-making. There is actually a document that everybody comment on. And then there is a meeting dedicated each week at a specific time where everyone can join. This is a Zoom meeting where everybody can participate. And that just take that worry out of it because you know specifically the problem you care about is not going to be a problem or, or how you can navigate it. Yeah. This was the first startup I worked at. I 
I wasn't working remotely, but I remember that I left around dinner time every day. So, and a lot of people stayed till like late, like 10, 11, midnight, and they just were kind of socializing and working and kind of doing that throughout the day. But I remember like sometimes coming in in the morning and finding out that like decisions had been made at night that like affected the trajectory and the direction of my work and Mm. just feeling kind of like, well, I don't know what to say, right? Like, I don't feel like I can say, hey, don't talk about the product, you know, (laughs) when I'm not here, but it just wasn't really set up super inclusively. And I imagine those sorts of dynamics only get worse, especially right now, it's probably okay with teams that are working remotely because everyone's feeling the same pain points, including executives and (laughs) CEOs and everyone. (laughs) So, but I feel like when it's, when it's kind of like half and half or 80, 20, it's going to like those, those problems are going to emerge again. And I'm curious, I mean, I think the, what you said, which is like having recurring meetings that have like a specific purpose to address these things. But like, what about, you know, what about kind of people chatting in a hallway near a whiteboard and they start sketching out stuff yeah. and, you know, those sorts of things do, do remote employees just like, are, right, is what it, do, they do, do you just miss it? out? Right. Yeah. Oh man. I have so many thoughts about this. I think first off, and, and this actually been, you know, a debate or like just passionate discussion between me and a lot of like industry leaders there's certainly like a camp that's just like very strict they're like no you should not have these discussions when then like everybody has to be remote if one person is remote you know that that kind of thing Mm -hmm. which you know I I bless him that he could run his organization that way but I I think when something is overly restrictive it's like unlikely to be followed right just just Mm -hmm. human nature is just very hard for that but I think you 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 hit this really important point which is, you know, when people go back to the office, when there are some teams remote and some teams in the office, it's actually really important for the leader to experience remote at least part of the time. Because mm-hmm. like that's that's actually precisely what I did uh, a couple of years ago. That's this was before COVID, before hybrid work is is really you know a thing that everybody talks about. I had part of my team partially due to personal reasons, part of it because of just you know an acquisition that the part of the team isn't all in the office, and the the team that was in office has a really strong in office culture. But the fortunate thing, the first person that went remote was a really really strong and well respected engineering elite, a tech lead, and so. I remember asking the team, hey, as a team, we're going to need to make this work. So how are we going to do that? So like I, you know, at first I thought, oh, why, why don't I set some policies? Right. But then, no, I I think it's everyone's, it's everyone's responsibility to make every single one of their team members feeling inclusive, like included, feeling heard and and leverage them, right? Like why else do we have teammates like somewhere else? We're not going to leverage them. And so together for that team, we came up with like certain tweaks to make sure that this person is included. Uh, and then the remote person was also very like, you know, mindful and thoughtful about how he wants to be included. So uh, I'll give you an example. So we were in the middle of like, you know, revamping a new architecture, which means like, you know, we know what the end outcome needs to be. We wanted like a, a new service that's going to uh, ingest a lot of data and put it into certain format. So that, that was the project. And there was a lot of little design decisions that, you know, will get made th- throughout the day. And this remote person actually was in a different time zone. So it's like mm-hmm. near impossible for him to be participating even through Zoom. 
So what we ended up doing was, you know, we documented everything. So as we have these whiteboard discussions, we would record or we would like make sure to have like a Google Doc where we just like took notes as we discussed. And every day we kind of like, you know, there's a folder where these notes go to and this person, the person can check it out. And every day it's like, we, we used to call it, it's like Christmas morning. Cause every morning <laughs> we would wake up, this person who is in a different time zone has already done like a write up and analysis prototype, you know, as he was working in this slightly different time zone. Yeah. And we would wake up and like, oh my God, like he just took all of our notes and took it to the next level. And so that ended up working out really well. And, and you know, definitely much credit to this particular remote engineer he was just amazing at like being able to work with whatever uh, circumstance. So I think there are ways around it, but like, I think one thing, you know, you do want a team culture where everyone wants to make everyone else successful. So I think that yeah. that's really key. I love this story. Cause I think a lot of times people always think of having some, like what I've heard is kind of like, Oh, an office is clearly better, but we have to make these sacrifices to like accommodate these remote employees. But we don't have as many conversations around like the ways in which remote actually adds value, right? And so having this experience where, you know, the team that's co-located with you is doing some work and then wakes up the next morning and like every morning there's like, you know, little Christmas elves like working away through the night. Like that's probably what it feels like. Just what a delightful feeling. And I imagine for like team momentum is probably really powerful as well. Yeah. To add one note to that, when that remote engineer came to visit and he, you know, we did encourage like some amount of FaceTime, right? So he would mm -hmm. visit once a quarter and <laughs> every time he visited, we would, we used to joke like, oh my God, our team productivity like <laughs> shrunk 50% because there's not that engine where you take this, our thoughts and continue thinking about it without distraction and meetings right. and then come back with something amazing. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that was, that it, it worked out really well in that situation. So. Yeah. I, yeah, I think definitely a few things I wanted to point out, which was like really having the team individuals on the team feel like they, they want everyone to feel included so they can speak up. It's not just like, oh, this is how we work because my manager said so. So that feels really important, especially when you're onboarding onto a hybrid team as a new hire, like really embracing that mindset of like, you know, if, if as a remote employee, you're feeling like you're missing out to say something, if you're you know, an in, in, in office employee and feeling like, hey, this person seems like they're not being included in this conversation to also say something. Yeah, I think that's going to the point of when I said a process of service problem early and like, you know, repeatedly is really important. So a lot of how, you know, in the past, how I sort of structure and have different processes or even policies within the team were all from retros. So yeah. like I think started about five years ago, almost every team that I've managed and run, we do weekly or like every other week retros where people just talked about what went well and what didn't. And that is participated by everyone on the team. And so like, you know, it's not just for some, it's just to vent, maybe to share how they feel. But then a lot of it is also to kind of see the trend. You know, if like disproportionately, you know, it could be someone in the office feeling like they're in too many meetings. It could be someone who is remote feeling like they were not included in certain discussion. It become everyone's responsibility to help mitigate that. And so like, you know, when a set policy is there, sometimes depending on how people interpret or follow it, 
it might actually do more harm than good, right? But in having that process to always just service, oh, actually, the other day we had, you know, a bunch of enough office people that said, oh, <laughs> like there were too many meetings. What are we going to do about that? And so that that back to the the, the suggestion before where, yeah, I, was, I know someone who, you know, used to be completely remote in a different time zone. They do a lot of documentation. So mm-hmm. kind of reframing, bouncing back to the responsibility to each employee, you can go to less meetings if you're willing to do more documentation. But as a team, you know, we're moving fast as a startup. We want to be cohesive and we want to be communicative. So, yeah. So I think like having those processes and tune it along the way is really important. Yeah, I think a lot of engineers have an aversion to feeling like there's a ton of process, but the way you're um, approaching it, which is kind of in response to the things people are bringing up in retro kind of mitigates that that response to adding process. Yeah, so giving them the choice a little bit, you know, what is which is the which is the thing that you want more like, you know, choosing one means using out on something else. So pick your own, pick your own journey kind of thing. Yeah. I think one thing that I've been hearing and I, I've been like on this yes careers questions subreddit for a while now. And and recently there's been a lot of threads about like, you know, working remotely and companies that are maybe not as well thought out as yours or your team. And like just a lot of remote employees feeling like it's inevitable that remote is like out of sight, out of mind in terms of Mm -hmm. like like, oh, I don't see anyone in the office, so I forget to check in on the intern. Or mm-hmm. like, I'm not in the office, so people, you know, don't think about me when they think about promos. Or, you know, I don't get that FaceTime with the in-office execs, and so I don't get considered for opportunities. So for, you know, in a hybrid team or in a re- remote team, if you are a remote employee, what are some tactical things you can do to make sure your work to make sure you and your work is visible, even if the company isn't really, you know, set up so thoughtfully. Oh, that's, that's a really, <laughs> that's a really tough one. Like before I dive into answering exactly that question, I would say, and I, and I do get these questions from candidates, uh, but I think it, if I were a candidate, I would ask, and if I were remote and I'm a candidate, I would ask, what is the percentage of your leaders uh, mm-hmm. or, or employees that are remote? right? Because if you're the only one, chances are it's going to be tough, Yeah. right? Because it's a lot of what, you know, changes processes or get people to behavior to change is empathy. So if you're disproportionately unique and disadvantaged that you're going to, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle regardless. So I, I, I do think that is true. I mean, that's um, true. So like if, if it feels like, I mean, I think there's more and more companies that are going to be like, it felt like a few years ago, there weren't that many companies that supported remote work. And so as a remote employee, you kind of like tolerated more stuff that wasn't right. ideal. And I feel like as companies are figuring this out, like there's going to be more options. So one, one <laughs> suggestion could be like, you know, like maybe find a company that's a better fit where it's not going to be such an uphill, uphill battle. Right. Yeah. And then I, I remember thinking like, you know, especially if you're joining as a leader, if this the company have like, you know, 90% of their leaders are on site and you're remote. I've definitely been in that situation, like in the past where, well, I was in the office and there was a one leader that was remote. And then 
you know, in the same time zone. So not like different time zone or anything, but we would always forget him in, in our leadership meetings. Like we just all, you know, went and grabbed lunch and talk while we're at lunch and like, oh, okay, leadership meeting. And then we just walk in to the meeting room with our plates. And then of course, like five minutes later, somebody would be frantically, oh, Dal and Steven, we forgot to Dal and Steven. We had someone working from the uh, New York office and regularly we forgot to dial her in to stand up. And it's like pretty embarrassing to to think about back on that and just think about how poor of an experience it was for her. Yeah. And, And I remember even when we did dial him in, we never know whether or not he could hear us. Right. And I remember, you know, like me and and another leader at the time, we're like, okay, we'll be like the remote buddies where or like we can be someone should be his remote buddy and check whether he could hear us. Because if he's not participating, is it just everything's good or 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 he just couldn't hear a thing like we, we didn't know. But it was just very it just wasn't very smooth, right? We didn't prioritize on his experience. And then I remembered like, you know, then we, then we got acquired, you know, and then majority, actually then the whole San Francisco team became the remote team in a way because we were acquired by an Israeli company. And, and then everything changed because like now so many people are remote, you know, there was more thought about having good Wi-Fi signals, so Zoom meetings are, are, are more smooth. Actually buying people like equipment to make sure that like, you know, the sound and the video and all that is actually smooth. And then like, you know, being thoughtful about when to schedule the meetings so that people can actually attend. So it, it really, really shifts when there is just a need to make it work. So I think like as candidates going into these companies, you, you do want to hear like, what is the the percentage of like people who could be making changes are, are actually remote. And I, I remember talking with, you know, another leader uh, at a bigger company and, and they are definitely, you know, re- going back to the office and, and, you know, I think at first they said September, but we're in September now and they're not back in the office. So like, you know, things are changing a little bit, but they, you know, they're starting to open their office and have people go in. I remember this person, most of the leaders are eager to go back to the office, but for him, he actually believes it's really important for him to stay remote for at least half the time because they have since hired remote employees in different locations. And like, he want to make sure that he is like, in a way, the gatekeeper when people's behaviors or processes or meetings slide to become remote unfriendly again. And so like, I think, you know, having people in a position of like power and influence to be advocating for remote employees is is actually really important if if it's not majority of the people are remote and so yeah i think like as a candidate you can certainly like one choose and interview your company really well to make sure that they're a fit and they're thoughtful about remote arrangements and i think too there are there are things that you can do to make your work more visible, but ultimately there is a lot to be done by the leadership team if they care about this problem or not. So, so figuring that out early is good. And I think taking a step back to, you know, your, your question earlier, I remembered a while ago, it was starting to, especially when we first shipped to remote, everybody's like kind of just, we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we still give people space to connect and celebrate? Because I think that was one of the things that really lead to burnout is when you're not in the office, you don't get that, 
you know, just like, you know, high five or smile or like a nod or just like in-person impromptu. Mm-hmm. You're not going to schedule a Zoom meeting for a high five. <laughs> <laughs> I know, how weird would that be? I mean, there's like, I think there's like apps to do like high five, but that's still, you know, it's not the yeah. same thing. And so like, how, how do you still create that space for people to celebrate each other's work, right? And, and as a side effect of, of that, you can also, you know, then create a, a, a space for people to have their accomplishments shown in an asynchronous, uh, non, non-office way, right? So I think some ways could be demo days, right? Like your current demo days where you, you get to show off your work. There are also just like Slack channels where, you know, you give yeah. each other shout outs. I think that's a really, you know, fun and easy one where, you know, because sometimes little things that, like really build up to great cultures are not demoable, right? If somebody yeah. was like taking that extra time to review a PR and really coach you through something, maybe you can't demo that. Or if, you know, somebody revamped a certain process so that's easier for people to, you know, have inclusive decision making, that's also not really something you could demo, but it's really impactful. So right. I think having a space where people are calling out what they appreciate about each other and at city culture, it creates a space for building rapport and trust mm-hmm. and also allowing people to have their work be visible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our team does at the end of every two week cycle in our company recap, we do like a fig jam board. And so it's like, Aww. what do we want to celebrate this cycle? And people will like, screenshot, you know, things that launched and then even just like, you know, numbers that went up. And then we have a corner that's like the gratitude corner and people put people's faces and then be like, oh, thanks for, you know, being really responsive on PRs or kind of the less visible things, like less of like, thanks for launching this feature, but more like, you know, thanks for talking me through this problem I was having or like, thanks for always doing the operations behind the scenes work and it's really, really nice. And then we go through it all as a team and then like stamp and put all sorts of ridiculous stickers on it. But that's, that's kind of a nice, like regular way to do that. And then like daily we'll do like, we we use range for check-ins. And so a lot of times we'll like tag things as like, thanks. And then tag the person for whatever it is, but that helps raise the visibility as well. Yeah, one thing I also want to call out is I do find it for some people, they're not comfortable with self-promoting or like <laughs> showing off their work. So in like in the remote environment, I, I imagine for particularly those folks, it's even harder because, yeah. you know, there's always like I, I've talked to a few people like that and they're like, oh, I don't want to brag. It feels so showy. You know, there's that mentality. I mean, that mentality is a challenge even if you're in the office, but even like more challenging if you're remote. And I think like for for those type of like mindset, I I would, I usually just encourage them to say, you know, a lot of times burnout is because people seemingly is just in a grind and in a grind and a grind. And they're not you know, having moments of celebration, moments of like completion, you know, you do want to feel like you've, you know, done the hard work and you completed it and you celebrate it. And then you move on to the next thing instead of just this never ending cycle of work. Right. And so like, I think sometimes just sharing accomplishment, maybe not just yourself and you and your team is not just for bragging rights. It's also for like team culture and morale. It's like everyone's happy for you and the company that you've done something great. And so like just screaming from the top of the roof and just have people celebrate with you. It's actually great for everyone. So yeah, it's like, I think those are something, some challenges I've seen uh, people talk about. 
yeah, I think that aversion is, I mean, the impact is there when it's just your own work, but then when you become a leader and then you feel hesitant to share your team's work, that impact is then like your whole team's work is really less visible and they're, you know, it's not, the impact of their work is not seen by the rest of the company, which is not just impacting you, but really impacting your whole team. Yeah. And that's actually, you brought up a good point. I remember a few years ago, I was in, I was in one of the engineering leadership meeting. And I remember one leader said this, it was around review time. And, and he was like, you know, I feel like we should have a metric to, to like evaluate each engineer because some leaders are not so good at selling accomplishments of their team than others. And I don't want the selling skills of a you know engine manager to impact the review, and and while that there's some truth to it, you do want metrics, and I, I always tell like my engine managers that I'm like at the point where you're a manager, a people manager, even if you're just like a tech leader that that leads a team, part of your job is to sell, right? Because mm-hmm. you you do have to correctly accurately you know, represent their work and their impact. You need to be able to tie their work to the impact instead of just like, oh, they they wrote this line of code really beautifully. You don't have to like (laughs) overinflate and like exaggerate the impact, but you at least need to, you know, do a one-to-one mapping of like, this is the accurate. Why does it matter? Why why people should be excited about it? And why was it uniquely challenging? And what did the team, you know, why is it so special that the team, you know, was able to accomplish it? And I think it's like, you know, if this is search, if this is something that you know certain leaders find really hard on, it's actually you know a growth area, right? They, yeah. They can, and and I think one of the easiest way to kind of get like sign sign bites of of that is just to ask your customer. Maybe if your customer is someone that is external to a company, you know, get on a customer call and hear what they say about the product. If your customer are internal teams, just ask them why does it matter that we do this? How does mm-hmm. it change, you know, things for you? And just get their quote. You don't even have to, you don't even have to say it yourself, right? And over time, you kind of build up that muscle because, you know, for, for the most part, I think a lot of leaders are, are truly proud of their teams and it's, it's actually just putting it into words and getting over that like mental hurdle of, of like yeah. bragging. And that can so. feel more authentic that someone else said it than I'm just saying this is the impact, right? Right, right. Or if you talk to your customer and they're like, no, this is no impact, then, then you have a bigger problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time to reassess what you're working on. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. I think the um, this was kind of an unexpected takeaway from this talk, but I think we've like come up with a few really good questions for people to ask, like yeah. ask the people when they're interviewing at a, at a new company, just to like suss out like, is this a company that's really thoughtfully building a hybrid or remote team? And like, is it going to be an uphill battle to like, you know, be heard, be included, um, be included in decision-making and team building, all these things. So I think those will be especially useful for folks if they're looking around. Yeah, for sure. I hope that that's helpful. Thanks for listening to Lead Time Chats. If you'd like to connect, share, and grow with other engineering leaders, Join us at leadtime.range.co. Leadtime community is a space for engineering leaders who aspire to create better working environments for their teams. Hope to see you there.